everyone, and welcome back to the Three Crosses podcast. My name is Buzz, and I'm one of the pastors here at Three Crosses Church, and I am thrilled this week to connect you with one of my favorite people. In fact, not to put too fine a point on it, my favorite person, my wife, Tara. As we've been going through the Shema and thinking about all the different ways that we can love the Lord with our heart or our mind or our soul or next week our strength, there was no one better than Tara, I felt like, to talk to about what it might mean to love the Lord with our unseen and inmost parts. You never know how somebody really feels about God, or you never really can tell how truly changed someone is. But when you live with someone and you see them day after day and behind closed doors and at their best times and at their worst times, you get a better glimpse of their character and the transformation that the Lord has brought into their life. And over the last 12 years, as the Lord has knit Tara and I together, I've seen in her such wisdom and such grace and such devotion to the Lord. And I wanted to bring her on and share some of that with you, the ways in which we've tried to order our family to pursue the Lord. Uh, Tara's going to spend a lot of time talking about our boys and our family and the sacrifices we try to make to raise them right and what that teaches us about our walk with the Lord. And we're not trying to say that the choices we've made, everybody needs to make. Certainly not. I think hopefully you'll get the, the note that We want you to follow the Lord as he calls you and as he has led you. And it's cost Tara some things to follow the Lord. And she's laid some things down to pick some things up in their stead. And I think that's exactly what loving the Lord with your whole self is all about. Tara's going to share with us a little bit about her devotional life and what that looks like as a crazy mom of four. She's going to share with us a little bit about um, walking through grief and true support of people around you. She's going to talk with us about some of her favorite scripture passages and all sorts of wisdom and insight. And I can tell you for sure that Tara has earned this wisdom by living rightly. This isn't stuff she learned from a book. It's not stuff that she picked up along the way at some seminar, or she's not saying these things because it's what you're supposed to say. Tara's wisdom is real because she really loves the Lord. I'd love to be more like her. I hope that you can also want to be more like her because she is becoming more like Jesus every day. Um, Enough of me. Let's turn to what Tara has to say. I'm here, tucked away in a beautiful outdoor corner with my favorite person, Maybe you're not supposed to have favorites, but Tara, you're my favorite person. Yes. And I think that's okay because I picked you and I married you and I'm really blessed to have you in my life. And so when I was thinking about these podcasts and what it means to love the Lord with every part of our being, um, here in week five, as we talk about the soul and our inmost parts, I'm so thrilled that you decided to come alongside and discuss some of what God has been showing you in these last few years about what it means to love God, um, even when nobody might see. Mm -hmm. So as we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and something about our family for those that don't know us and maybe a tad about what you do at Three Crosses. Yeah. Well, I am married to you. As you know, we have four little boys, which you were around for that. So you're aware of their spunk and their spirit and their noise and their mess and we love it. 
That's why we're recording this <laughs> after bedtime, because those mess and spunk in spirit is now sleeping. And there's no interruptions. But we do love our life. I love my life. I have um, an undergrad degree in psychology with a minor in art. I run my own art business, um, selling children's art. Um, and I also have my master's in teaching English as a second language, but I rarely ever use that because I have chosen just to spend this season of my life at home with our four little guys, just molding them into the people that I feel the Lord is calling them to be and just um, taking that sacrifice on to not have a career right now, but just support you, my husband, in ministry. Um, we get to work with the young adults community at Three Crosses, the 20s and 30s, called SOMA, and also with um, the young families called Kaleo. And I'm just very blessed to mentor and to serve and to speak in small capacities in that way and just be like a lay minister um, that's very unofficial, but something that fills my soul. Speaking of filling soul, that's our word for the week. You know, soul in Hebrew is nefesh and has a lot to do with the inmost parts or um, all that you are. And Larry unpacked that a lot for us on this Sunday. But as I heard you talking about our family and your time at home and laying down career and um, the crazy things that God calls each of us to do, our roads are unique, but yours is to be home with the boys right now. Now, would you describe that as an easy calling or something that's difficult or? Um, yeah, I definitely feel like for who I am and my personality, it's very much a sacrifice. I'm, as you know, a doer. I like to be busy. I like to be going. I like to be achieving very much an A-type personality, like to check a lot of boxes and uh, have very productive days. And sometimes I think being cooped up in those four walls can feel like you aren't um, succeeding in traditional parameters or barometers that the world sees as success because you are tucked away. Um, but I think it's a sacrifice that's what I'm called to do and it builds character in me and it's purposeful for their lives. If you weren't home with the kids, what do you think you might be doing? Oh gosh. Like if we didn't have any kids, <laughs> where would, where would you be? Um, I used to think a corporate setting, uh, suited me. I liked the suit and tie and just the achievement nature of being in an office. Um, but my heart has definitely swayed more towards ministry and what I can offer there. So yeah, maybe just working with women in ministry is really one of my my heart's desires and passions. Um, but I don't think it's for the immediate time right now today. Yeah, when I hear you talking about this, like I know that some of our listeners are working moms, others are stay-at-home moms, and we certainly don't mean to imply that you're making a wrong or a bad choice, whatever you've chosen, but yeah, I think it's sure. more to unpack kind of how God has led us as a family and some of those lessons that we've learned because the Lord almost redirected our path towards that. You know, as you said, like you thought you'd be in corporate work or in ministry or in some sort of job setting and that you would be good at it. You were good at it <laughs> when you Thanks. were there. I mean, you did not get fired. Not even one time did you get fired. So it was great. 
so what do you think is the most surprising thing that you've learned or maybe the most difficult lesson that you've learned staying home and being with kids all day? Oh, gosh. I think just the appropriate adjudication of my time has been the most difficult thing to find balance and discipline in. Um, when you're young and <laughs> you don't have a spouse or maybe you don't have any kids yet, um, you don't feel like you have a lot of time, but you do. <laughs> you have time um, that can be for yourself to do devotions when you want, to read a book as long as you want. Um, there's no one banging on the door and telling you to get out of the shower immediately because there is a toy dispute and the world's going to explode if you don't get that towel and step out of that door immediately. What percent of showers do you think end with a siege, like a battering ram, kind of pounding down that bathroom door? I mean, I don't even shower anymore, so there there is no percentage. I'm just at their disposal at all <laughs> times. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like I came to a place where I had to give up a lot of my rights. And that was what was right for my life. Not that I don't believe in career moms. Um, that's an amazing thing. I still feel like I am a mompreneur because I sell art on the side. But I try to fit that into the corners of my life because I feel like the Lord is asking me um, to sacrifice that part of myself right now for the greater good of my kids, because that's possible for us financially and just for what you have going on. Um, I think the Lord is building character through me in a way that um, a high achieving job outside of the home would not have done for me. So you spoke, you spoke about giving up your rights. What are some examples of things that you might be entitled to or have a right to that you feel like you've had to lay down? Uh, well, the the right to be right, I think that comes up often in marriage. I'm going to write think. this down here real quick. <laughs> the right to to like win a fight or to be mm, correct or yeah. something like that. I uh, might be described as a passionate person, maybe even a hothead at times. I like to have the last word. And I think that over the years, the Lord has been hammering that out of me, that I don't have to be right. And even if I am, I don't have to make it known. I don't have to um, display all of my intelligence and my winning points and, um, yeah, just browbeat the other person into seeing my side, but that I can go silently like Jesus did, like a lamb to the slaughter, um, and just lay down my rights as he did to not be first, to not be um, standing up for all that he was and all that he could have done to call down angels and prevent his death on the cross. He didn't do that. He went silently to the cross because he knew that was what was right for him to ransom us. So I just know that at this time in my life, it's right for me to give up um, the rights to silence and to a career and to making money and to having my own time and my own success. Um, 
I don't even finish my own food. Like I don't even have those rights. Like I share literally everything with these little leeches that I love so much. You know, you're talking about rights like eating food and sitting quietly in your house, and those don't seem to be very rare things. Like a person should be able to eat a meal, you know. This is not <laughs> crazy talk to be asking for something like that. You but know, all the moms out there and the dads, you guys know what I'm talking about. I managed to finish my food, though. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the toy disputes can carry on. But maybe I'm just more, I don't want to say I'm more goal-oriented or anything like that. Maybe I just, oh, I don't know. Like uh, a couple Sundays ago when I was preaching in main service, if I'm not like actually listening for it, I don't hear it. Or maybe I'm just more Darwinian that I'll let the kids fight it out. And then <laughs> natural selection of the toys. Yeah, we've got spares, so <laughs> just let one rise to we the have, top. <laughs> oh, I thought... I thought you were talking about spare toys, but you were actually talking about spare kids. <laughs> spare kids. We got some backups. Yeah. Yep. That's a great. Number two, three, and four. It's a great mindset, but it really is crazy how you have four boys and you think, like, how can they be four unique individual properties when they share the same DNA and the same parenting? But they really are unique. They're we so don't, different. We don't have backups. We have four <laughs> individual precious yes. kids, and we treat them differently and with our own styles and things like that. And I don't know. I feel like for me, parenting has made me work harder in the way that you're talking about, like working less. I think for me, mm -hmm. what's ground out of me is some of my laziness. And um, I was really chill. I think I'm still like <laughs> yes. on the chill side. But That's true. I've become less so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, parenting has been the hardest thing I've ever done. And I think that's what I'm driving at, that having a career at this season of my life would have been the easier option for me and who I am. Um, but staying in my home, sacrificing my time day in, day out to serve these little people and foster who they're supposed to become is the harder choice for me. Um, Have you ever regretted that kind of a choice or wished that you had done more kind of outside the home? Or? There are certainly times, but I truly believe that life isn't what we achieve, but who we become. And I know that I could have a litany of, well, maybe I could awards and achievements and, gold stars on my resume. Um, but the Lord asked me to do this for right now because that's the character that he wanted to work out in me. And one of the passages that I love so much from Proverbs, um, it's Proverbs 4, 7 through 9, and it just says, simply get wisdom and insight. Do not forget or ignore what I say. Do not abandon wisdom and she will protect you. Love her, and she will keep you safe. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get insight. Love wisdom, and she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will bring you honor. She will be your crowning glory. So I just, I truly believe that, that seeking after the Lord and his kingdom, putting his kingdom first, seeking his wisdom um, his thoughts that are higher than our thoughts, that develops the character and the depth 
in me that I need. Um, we kind of joke about it all the time, but we've come to this place where as parents, we want our kids to do whatever they love and to love the Lord with all their hearts. That's all that matters to us. If they want to be a garbage man, uh, be the best garbage man there is. And there's no shame in that. That is a worthy career. If you love it and you give your whole soul to it and you're serving the Lord, then that's all we could ask for. Yeah, I think that's an example of some of the upside down wisdom of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus taught us about. You're reading from Proverbs 4 here about getting wisdom and getting understanding. And sometimes we see that with the lenses that the world puts on us, which to get wisdom in the world's eyes might mean to make more money, or it might mean to become a homeowner, or it might mean to invest, or it might mean to work on your skill set, or pad your resume, or diversify your investment portfolio. And sometimes those are the right things, but you're saying that for you to get wisdom was, in fact, to reject those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, to lay down my life daily and not take showers and not finish all my meals, but to spend long hours just speaking into their lives and um, reading baby Bibles with them and playing games and just talking about the deeper questions of life. Um, that's something that I'm very passionate about is, is going past superficiality and just really connecting with people, whether it's my children or people that I work with at Kaleo or Soma or just friends. I feel like our society can be so shallow, so superficial. What we present on the internet, um, just communication via text, everything just so um, light and simple. I used to live in Norway, as you know, and something that they found so um, striking about Americans is that we would always say, hi, how are you? But we didn't really mean it. Nobody actually wanted to know the answer. Hey, um, actually, I'm in a really dark place. Do you want to know that? Do you want to hear that? Do you want to carry my pain and hear my life story? I think all too often we don't, and we don't really ask, and we don't really connect or go deep. So in Norway, they wouldn't ask how high, how, I feel like I'm speaking Norwegian right now. I can't get the English <laughs> language out of my mouth. Gordon Gorda. <laughs> but they would not ask you how you were doing. What would they do instead? Yeah. Um, I mean, at first, as an American, it felt like the culture was a bit um, cold or standoffish. But that really was because they felt like unless they really wanted to know, they weren't going to ask you. So it could come across as um, aloof, but they wanted to be sincere. And as a people, um, once you get to know them, they're very warm. They're very deep and inviting. But they don't like the trivial um, exchanges that we do just as pleasantries so often. You know, I'm trying to work some more Norwegian culture into (laughs) our day-to-day. And I feel like my number one success at this is that a lot of people, if they tell a joke and it's not funny, which happens Mm -hmm. a lot, Mm -hmm. it happens a lot. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of not funny jokes out there. Most people will politely laugh in response. Mm -hmm. I call this fake laughter. Mm -hmm. If somebody tells me a joke that is not funny... You just leave it hanging. I just let it and hang. And you let me do all the work. I have to do all the fake laughing. Well, if you were truly Norwegian <laughs> inside, you would just let it hang there. And then the person would realize, you know what? 
That joke was not that funny. <laughs> well, I'm not. And I'm I should, Swedish. I should work on my humor. It's like a way that I'm ministering to them, really. Yes. By not yes. laughing at their jokes. It's a deep ministry. You also eat a lot of Norwegian cheese. So there's another way. Not enough Norwegian <laughs> cheese, though, many are saying. <laughs> Brown cheese. Anyway. I don't really know what fake laughter has to do with loving the Lord with your inmost parts, <laughs> but we're speaking about the value of being truthful with someone. Yes. And even if that costs a little pain on the front end, it because it's easier to be fake, it's easier to be light, it's easier to ignore. Um mm-hmm either when you're speaking to someone hurting or when you're hurting yourself, but that's not the attitude you've tried to cultivate in our, in our kids. Yeah. I just, I think I personally have felt the most, um, connection and the most ministered to by people who are transparent. And that doesn't mean that they need to divulge over divulge all their deepest, darkest secrets on day one. But in that built, shared relationship of trust, coming to a place where I can be vulnerable with you and show you the places where I am broken, and maybe my place of brokenness can be your place of healing. And that's a way that I try to live my life. I fail with our kids often. I let them down, um, and I wish it wasn't so. But I'm human, and I just try to... Um, be honest with them and explain that mommy's a sinner too. That's why I need Jesus. And I apologize. I apologize often. I think that's really important to let your kids know that you're not infallible and that um, they're worthy of an apology once in a while and an explanation for your behavior. And just a promise that you'll continue to to work this Christian life out and go from glory to glory until we appear before Christ and be made just like him. When I was a kid, I remember thinking that my parents pretty much knew everything, even stuff they shouldn't know. Like maybe I hadn't brushed my teeth that morning. Mom always knew somehow. (laughs) And now that I'm a parent, I realize not only do we not know everything, we know like nothing, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. it just seems completely fraught with unknown and you do make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think owning up to that and modeling that repentance for our kids, I hope helps them when they make mistakes in their life that they can own up to it. And when the mistakes move from things like I didn't brush my teeth or I stole my brother's toy to things that really might matter, I want them to feel like they can tell us the truth and bring that back to God instead of having to hide all the time. We don't want a a home where um, mistakes, you just pretend they didn't happen and go forward. We want Mm -hmm. a repentant, truth-telling household. Yeah. Even if that's hard, it's hard to apologize to a (laughs) six-year-old. You feel Mm -hmm. a little awkward, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I feel very passionate about cultivating um, just a culture of carrying each other's burdens in our home. Um, I think that's what we're called to do as Christians. I want my boys to feel that way with each other, that they always look out for one another from the simplest things of just, you know, helping somebody tie their shoe or get their shirt on or comb their hair to helping mommy carry groceries. Um, But that that ideal will stick with them through life 
and that when the harder times come, um, there's a verse in Proverbs that says that a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. And I had never really seen this meaning in that verse before, um, but I was reading a book recently that was explaining it like a brother will be there for you in the darkest of times. That when true adversity comes or tragedy strikes, that your blood relatives or those friends that are so close that they feel like family, that they should be there for you um, through that adversity, through that sorrow, through that trial. And that um, is something that is just so important to me. It's what I want to be for people. I want to learn to suffer with them and be available to them in their darkest hour, um, just to sit with them in their pain, to hold that. I lost my dad, um, gosh, I don't know, has it been a year and a half now? Not quite. About that? Yeah, 15 months. And it was unexpected, and it was a really dark season, and I found it also to be very lonely. And that is just not something I want um, the people that I love to feel. It certainly drew me closer to the Lord. Um, but I, I, I would challenge my boys and myself um, and just the girls that I mentor to really be aware of where your friends are at, your family members are at, what are they going through? Can you ask the hard questions? Can you sit with them in their sorrow? Can you carry it with them? I love Galatians 6.2. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If we're not carrying each other's heavy burdens, what are we? What are we doing as Christians? I feel like one of the reasons people don't attempt to carry one another's burdens or attempt to find out where people really are at or even in a time like grief, like you're describing, or uh, loss of job or illness or those times which are pretty obviously hard for people. Mm-hmm. I think often people worry that they are going to say the wrong thing. And so yeah. instead of saying the wrong thing, they choose to say nothing, really. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I say nothing, then I won't say the wrong thing. And I think we've kind of learned that saying nothing is, in fact, always the <laughs> wrong thing. That even if you make kind of a feeble attempt at support, or even if you do say something that wasn't perfect, none of us are perfect at that. There's no possible way to be textbook in a grief situation. They're all so individualized and so unique. But by leaving someone alone that you really should be caring for, I think that's always wrong. Even if your intentions are good, you don't want to harm them with your words. I think it is perhaps more harmful to be left alone in many ways. Yeah. Just send that text, send that card and, and do it more than once. Check up on people regularly. Um, they really need that. I think we need to swing the pendulum back towards, um, just intimacy of relationships, um, empathizing deeply with people, knowing where they're at, caring where they're at and doing what we can to carry each other's loads. I hope that I'm raising our boys to do that. Um, I struggle with a pain disorder, and they know that. And sometimes I feel guilty, like I'm burdening their 
their little lives um, with things that are beyond their scope of understanding. Um, but I know at my core that it's building better character in them to have to carry my purse or carry heavy groceries and, and just to go the extra mile for mommy when she needs the help. They can carry a purse. <laughs> they can handle it. I remember our Opie in Tulsa. We loved her. She was great. And she would always give us this parenting advice that at the time, pre-child, it felt kind of harsh and direct. And looking back, she was right about everything. <laughs> and I remember her teaching us that I'm giving her credit. Now I'm realizing maybe it wasn't even her, but I'll just give her credit. But she taught us that the youngest person in the house who can't have the job should have the job. Absolutely. So if you're three, like Gabriel is three, not to name any names, mm -hmm. but maybe you can't unload the dishwasher with the glass plates, but you could the plastic cups because you can't smash those and the drawers at his level. Mm, Gabe could probably smash them. <laughs> he has a special skill for smashing. He, he does. Mm. He, well, <laughs> he does it, right? Or um, the older boys that can carry their laundry up, they do that. And the younger boys, they can feed the dog and put the water out. So they do that. And when we need help, it actually kind of is helpful. And even if it was in the short run easier for you to just do it, in the longer run, it kind of is nice to have four coworkers. And I guess I don't see that really as a burden that we've given them, but to be able to help someone in need who they are close to and care about, I think that's actually helping them build character. Doing it for them, I think, would be stunting their character. That's true. You're so wise. <laughs> I'm trying to be wise, really. <laughs> and in are. fact, I learned all that from you, <laughs> oh, which thanks. is why you're on here with me. <laughs> Because um, it's, it's hard to teach people. It's hard to teach yourself how to be a good person. It's hard to teach your children how to be good people. But just like you were talking about how you didn't want to choose career or money, you wanted to choose what the Lord is leading you to. Like I want to teach our boys how to honor Christ and put themselves behind the needs of others. I think if we can do that as parents, we really will have done well. Like... In our house, which is crazy, three boys in a bedroom, property disputes and fights, and if they can love each other through that condition, then I think we will have succeeded. And if our kids have straight A's and play sports and, you know, cool clothes and fancy cars and... And they're mean, and unpleasant they're mean, little people. Then we... I don't, I don't want that for no. my kids. You know, I want kids that honor the Lord and... Sometimes it's hard to know how to produce that. I think something that um, constantly assails us as parents is the concept of hurry. And I love the quote by Dallas Willard. And he says, ruthlessly, ruthlessly eradicate hurry from your life. I know for myself, anytime I feel pressured um, <laughs> that... Sunday morning rush to get to church, getting the kids up and out for school. You know what I'm talking about, just the schedule that gets so jammed full and you're trying to hit all the deadlines and achieve all the things and get everybody to all of their practices and places and you're rushing. And I don't know about you guys, but I am not at my best when I'm rushing, when I am hurrying through life 
to get to a deadline. I'm pushy. I'm edgy. I'm shorter. I'm sharper with the kids. They feel stressed. Um, It just brings out the worst in all of us. And not just in sort of the temporal earthly sense, but I think the concept of hurry, even in our spiritual life, Um, just trying to get to a different season. I think sometimes um, we feel like, oh, in a different season, I'll have more time to read my Bible. In a different season, I'll be able to wake up early and pray. Um, But I'm just so busy right now. The kids are just so little, or I have a newborn, or this is just like the launch of my career, and I've got to give it my all to these earthly things. I can't even finish my meal, someone told me (laughs) once. Yeah. Like a busy season. Yeah, that's that's busy, right? Like you can't even... Um, there are days where I don't sit down. I'm like, hi, Buzz, welcome home. I've been standing the entire day. Like my butt has not hit a chair and that's unfortunate because I'm tired. Very helpfully tell my wife, ruthlessly eliminate that Mm -hmm. hurry from Mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. Ruthlessly eliminate who? (laughs) Number one, two, three, or four, because there's a lot of them and they're busy and they take a lot of time and a lot of energy, and a lot of food, and I do have a full day. And I've had to come to a place in my devotional life where I have adopted a different um, sort of approach to the Lord, which I think needs to be where we are all at. It's not just for moms that are busy or people that are in hard-charging careers. It's for all of us at all seasons of life to practice the presence of the Lord. Um, Just to constantly acknowledge that He is there in every moment. He's there in the mundane, washing of the dishes, taking out the garbage, shuttling the kids to school. He's there when we're on BART. He's there in our commute. He's there in the board meeting. He's with us in all moments if we would acknowledge his presence. Um, When you speak about practicing the presence, I mean, that's a phrase from A.W. Tozer, who has that famous book. mm -hmm. Um, But it feels like, okay, I understand the general contours of what you're getting Mm -hmm. at, but what are some practical steps or some examples of ways that you might do that in your life at home as a mom? I think it's easy to feel close to the Lord when we're having those mountaintop experiences. Um, When we see a sunrise or we're on a beautiful hike, I'm a nature person. So I I love stars and crickets and, you know, sunsets, all the beautiful things. Um, But when we're just walking through regular life, I need some tips and tricks to remember um, the Lord is here. So, When I get up in the morning, it's literally my feet hit the ground running. I'm acknowledging that he is there with me. I'm trying not to let giant spans of time pass that I don't silently speak to him in my head. I've got worship music going. These are just really practical things um, just kind of to encourage my awareness that he's right there. I can't pray every second of the day. But I certainly can, um, when I steal away 
just to run to the bathroom or to take that once a month shower. I'm just kidding. But when I do shower, that's a time where I focus my thoughts and I say, don't waste these few minutes that you have the presence of mind. Practice his presence. Remember that he's there. Acknowledge um, in the simple things that I'm grateful I have dishes to wash. I'm grateful I have a zany, wild, bouncing off the walls three-year-old with his puffy little cheek. When I just, I stroke his little face, I feel like the Lord is near. I, I try to be present in those moments and acknowledge that this is a gift. This little cheek is a gift. This moment to read a book is a gift. Hearing these birds outside my window, the Lord is in that. He's there. He's in all things. He's all around me. I just, I'm a beauty person. I grow a garden full of roses. Um, and this may sound silly, but each of those bushes represent a person in my life. And so when I'm fertilizing them or pruning them or watering them, I'm praying for that person. I'm stealing moments to talk to the Lord. Um, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Exodus 33:11, And it's, when Moses says that the Lord spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And I, I long for that. I long to see the Lord and I've never visibly seen him face to face, but I see him in all the gifts that he's given me in the repose, in the quiet, in the rustling of leaves, in dappled sunlight. I see him at the beach I see him when you're playing with the boys, when you're doing wrestle time with daddy. Trap I see time. Him. Trap time. Sorry. I don't even know what it's called because I'm not in charge of it. It's so great. Trap time is a special time where I have the boys on the ground or on the bed and I put them in a trap. <laughs> and what a trap means is that you actually are just hugging them and then you just don't let go. And it's they have to scam. try to escape. It's, it's a scam. It's a wonderful scam. It's a scam. And they're like, oh, what's this trap called? And then you come up with some name for your trap, and they try to wiggle <laughs> out, and pretty much you're just hugging your kid and laying there on the ground. So it's like <laughs> It's, it's like a lazy rest. man's trick. But <laughs> I'm going to call it lazy because <laughs> as they've gotten a little bit older, I mean, I'd like to see you wrangle Roman <laughs> in those trap times. It's a scam for a hug. It's genius, It really. kind of is. It's really, it's really kind of nice, but... <laughs> You know, when you're talking about stealing those moments, one thing that I have tried to learn in the last year or two is to try to exchange that, what I call me time, into time that you can spend with the Lord. So if you don't have an hour mm -hmm. to spend in your devotion time, like most people, probably we could, like if we really made it happen, mm -hmm. you could do anything. But that's not what is normal and not what most of us are at currently. But, you know, you might spend 5, 10, 12 minutes checking your Facebook and you could have spent five, 10, 12 minutes reading your Bible app mm -hmm. on your phone. And we know which one of those is more healthy and mm -hmm. we just choose the, the indulgent one a little bit too often. Or, you know, you go to take a quick minute outside, you know, are you going to check the sports scores or are you going to take a minute to invite the Lord and see him in those ways that you spoke about? Mm -hmm. Are you going to think finally me time, or are you going to think, this is a time that I can refocus on the Lord and his presence? I think sometimes as Christians, we 
focus so much on the concept of sin and trying not to sin and trying to do all the right things and follow the rules and memorize the scriptures. And I feel like the Lord has been reminding me lately that beyond all that, he just wants us to be together. Just the way that I selfishly want to be with my little guys while they're still young. That's really the gist of it for me. I homeschooled them and I chose not to go to work because it built character in me, but also because I just wanted to be with them more. I didn't want to miss all those precious little moments and those firsts and the jokes and I don't know, the water balloon fights, all the chaos. And the Lord feels that way about us. It's not about how we fail him or please him. He is the loving father that just wants to go for a walk, to be together, to talk to us face-to-face like a friend. Reminding myself of that quote that you shared earlier, that it's not about what we do, but it's who we become. And we might extend that to say it's who we're with. Mm-hmm. Are you working to build your own kingdom, or are you working to build the Lord's? Are you inviting God into your life as you've planned it, or are you seeking to join him where he's calling you? I think that's the presence of God, stepping into what he has for you, despite what it might cost you. Because really the thing that ends up costing you, actually, is not living a life in the Lord's presence. You know, Jesus told us, which of you wants to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? It's not a good exchange. And I don't think that's speaking primarily about your eternal destiny, are you going to go to heaven to be with the Lord or be separated from him for forever? But even right here in this world, like if you have a rich and a famous life that's empty of the things of God, it's not as good as a rich and full life with the things of God, even if it's not rich and full with money or fame or success. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, whoever would be greatest must be the servant of all. And he was right. But... It's not easy. It's not easy. In fact, it's so not easy that we're going to have to put a, let's call it a semicolon on this mm-hmm. conversation today. Um, Tara, I'm so grateful that you did take some time to share with us some of the things the Lord has taught you in being a mom. I'm a little jealous that you are a mom. That's an experience that I will never get to have. The way you love and spend time with our kids and the unique bond that you have with them is something that I don't get to have and you have cultivated that masterfully, and I've learned so much from parenting alongside you. I hope that our listeners today have learned a little bit about what it might look like for them to cultivate the presence of God in their own life or to lay down their desires to take a left turn where the Lord might be calling them. You know, Maybe for some of our moms, God's calling them to go back to work, and they worry about what that's going to cost in terms of family. you got to obey God. Maybe some of our dads are worrying about, is it going to cost me at work to spend time with my kids or... Um, Maybe somebody's worrying about going back to school and in terms of what that's going to cost with friends or social life. Or maybe you're wrestling with the idea of stepping up into an area of service or ministry at Three Crosses, like maybe taking on a home community leader type position and worrying about what that's going to cost you in exchange. I just think however the Lord is leading you, he'll provide for you and he will sustain you. And it is always the right choice. 
Wouldn't you agree, Tara? <laughs> I Wouldn't always you agree with agree? you. <laughs> I'm your number one fan, but I like Jesus more. What? <laughs> Fair. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. You can have it. All right. Thanks once again for listening. Thank you for joining us. If you have any um, questions or like to reach out and connect with Tara, just send me an email at buzz at threecrosses.org, and I would love to pray for you, connect with you, or put you in touch with Tara, who is the real expert, as we have all seen unfold, before our very ears in these last 30 minutes. Oh, man. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, though. Right, guys? Like, he is that moment-by-moment sustenance. And that's the only way I get through the day. Literally, I have to practice his presence, or those little army of men, that army would just (laughs) annihilate me. I know. I can't wait till we start buying them teenage groceries. Pray Uh, for us. Hashtag jobs. (laughs) I know, right? Pray for us, you guys. You know, I wouldn't blame you if after that episode that Tara is now not only my favorite person, but she is yours as well. I'm so grateful that Tara was able to spend 45 minutes or so talking with us about what it means to love the Lord in your inmost places, in the unseen, away from the public eye, but in ways that matter eternally, because it's how God has called her to live her life. And she steps up to the plate, never flinching, always persevering. If you'd like to connect more with Tara, man, you can come out to our Kaleo community on Sunday mornings at 930, where she and I um, often serve together with many great young families around Three Crosses Church right there in the chapel. Or you can find her on Thursday nights at 7 over in the Port Lounge with our young adults community called Soma, where she and I also serve together in trying to uh, minister to anybody in their 20s and 30s looking for some connection and community uh, right here in the Bay Area. As Tara was sharing about that desire she has for real and true empathy, we try to cultivate that at Three Crosses Church by stepping into community. And no matter what your life stage or your age, we have a community for you, whether that's a home community group or a mid-sized Sunday morning community or a midweek community, um, whether it be on Wednesday night or Thursday night at Soma. If you feel like, you know what, I need somebody to empathize with me and to, to lean on and to talk to and to speak truth to the way that Tara was talking about, step into community. I believe that it really can help. I'd love to help connect you by just uh, giving me an email at buzz at threecrosses.org, B-U-Z at the number three, crosses.org. And I'd love to connect you with a community that meets your needs or pray with you or connect with you myself. You deserve to have somebody to walk alongside. That's what the body of Christ is. It's a family, a family, hopefully that sticks close, like a brother born for those times of adversity, just like Tara shared with us from Proverbs chapter four. I also want to invite you to check out our Three Crosses blog, threecrosses.org slash blog. We have many talented writers, including, yes, that's right, more from Tara. Um, I think hers will go live on the very last week of our Shema series, so that'll be around about July 29th, 2018. Shout out to anybody listening in the future. Our blog, hopefully, will still be up for you. Um, But we've had many writers just pitching in and sharing their own stories of how this Shema has grabbed them and how the Lord has spoken to them through these times and what wisdom that they'd like to share with you through the written word. Um, Time spent in and around God's word with things like podcasts and blogs and prayer is never wasted. I encourage you to spend some time in the scriptures themselves. And if you haven't yet, commit the Shema to memory. 
Deuteronomy 6, 24 through 28, is such a powerful passage that I believe will really change your life. Uh, begin clinging to his word in the way that Tara has begun clinging to his word. I think it will transform you more than you might think. Give it a shot. What do you have to lose? Thank you again for listening here to this week five Shema podcast. And we will be, be back next week with week six, our last week that we'll be spending in the Shema. And that one you for sure won't want to miss. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.